Welcome to Rebel Spirit Radio, exploring the frontiers of spirituality, consciousness, the esoteric, and humanity's sacred relationship with a living earth. I'm your host, Nick Mather, and in this episode, I speak with Dr. Alex Brzezinski, founder of the Continua Work. Alex discusses the participatory spiritual cosmology he wrote about in his doctoral dissertation titled Ecologies of the Soul. He talks about working with non-physical intelligences and the energies of the earth, what Alex calls the allies. He also speaks on transpersonal psychology, embodied spirituality, maneuvering through uncertainty, activating virtues, psychedelics, and the development of his continual work. Dr. Alex Brzezinski holds an MA in philosophy, cosmology, and consciousness, and a PhD in East-West psychology from the California Institute of Integral Studies. Alex's work at CIS allowed him to explore psychedelics, Buddhist cosmology, shamanic practices, embodied meditation, archetypal theory, and ecological thinking. His dissertation, Ecologies of the Soul, an inquiry into the relationships between the collective human psyche and non-physical entities, explored non-physical entities encountered in non-ordinary states of consciousness, out of which he constructed a theoretical model of a non-physical matrix that he refers to as alliance. He has lived and studied in China, Japan, Tibet, and the Philippines. He is the founder of the Continuo Work and Embodied Sky Massage Therapy. Alex, Welcome to Rebel Spirit Radio. Thanks, Nick. Great to be here. Yes, I'm, I'm looking forward to this conversation. It's going to be, I think, a bit different than some of the other uh, interviews I've done uh, before. And so I'm looking forward to the challenge and I'm looking forward to uh, digging into this material. It's quite fascinating, I think. So I, I, I thought the uh, best place to start, and I'm not sure, um, there were several places I thought that we could start with, but I thought maybe the best place to start was to have you discuss the title of your dissertation, Ecologies of Soul. What do you mean by that? Yeah, it went through, uh, the dissertation went through a few different uh, working titles, as, <laughs> as they always do for everyone, and uh, that was sort of the, the simplest title and uh we were we were talking about this just just recently over email and i was when i thought about it, i'm like that was actually a really good a really good title because it encompasses the ecologies part and the soul part so just a just a, a simple sort of uh sort of interplay there is the the worldly dimension that we live in this world um where there are these are these beings powers energies intelligences so, so i was interested in all of that, that ecological, the relational value, the kind of biological, you know, when we talk about ecological, I often think of it like it's, these are, these are biological. But then on the other hand, we have the soul dimension, that this is what I'm talking about in the dissertation of what people talk about often when they're talking about uh, more internal states, right? Like the, the meditative state. And um, also conceptually, there was this big piece that really came through on the, the way that we incarnate into the world. So when we think about who am I in this world, where did I come from, and maybe what is my, what is my purpose in this world, what is, what is there outside of me 
that is sort of propelling me through. We might think of it as destiny, as fate, as uh, my, my inner guide, uh, my, my, my personal dharma, you know, these sort of things. And um, so that incarnational piece came through. So naturally I was like, well, if it's incarnation, I, I have to sort of think about what is, what is this idea of a, of a soul? So that's sort of what I'm looking at. It's also, there's sort of, what I'm constantly doing with this work is it's, I find like I'm, it's constantly kind of a, a, a rebuttal or reframing or revisioning of all of the, all of the, the esoteric or religious or spiritual practices that we're, that we're more familiar with. There's these sort of, these top-down cosmologies, these uh, sort of, um, these privileging of the, of the kind of interior spaces, these, these paradigms where the physical world is kind of just sort of an afterthought. And I'm always trying to sort of pivot and, and be like, no, that like, like this, is, this is where the action is, the, the physical world, the biological world, the ecological world. So that when we go towards the, the heart of the soul, we don't go through ecology in the way of like most transpersonal paradigms and certainly most religious paradigms always have this idea of, of yeah, 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 life, life exists, you know, it's real, it has an important thing, place to play or important role to play. Biology is important, the body is important, but, but let's, let's really get to, to the real reality and, and sort of leave that behind. Um, imagination would be another one like that. It's kind of like, yeah, that, that's, that's, that's good. Like we need that, but, we're kind of we're going to go beyond and i wanted to be like no like the deeper you go the farther you go the, the more healthier more like the greater wholeness transpersonal sort of shtick um there's always this ecology you mentioned transpersonal a few times could you say a little bit for anyone who may not be familiar with what transpersonal psychology is well i suppose everybody has a, has a has a different take uh, my uh, understanding of transpersonal uh, theory, transpersonal psychology, transpersonal studies was very much shaped uh, by my time at the, the California Institute of Integral Studies, was particularly shaped by uh, my work with uh, my mentors, uh, Jorge Ferrer and Christopher Beish, and um, also the, the work of the pioneers founders loosely of transpersonal psychology, uh, uh, Stanislav Groth and, and Ken Wilber. There were other people <laughs> involved as well, but they're, they're, they're sort of these two, these two big, big pillars. So transpersonal, the, the sense of a personal psychology is everything we know. It's kind of, it's in the brain um, and the brain generates this, this reality that we kind of experience as consciousness which is maybe is an afterthought of the brain. Or uh, if we maybe get away from such a, a like scientific materialist perspective, we have this idea of, um, well, that maybe there's a, maybe there's a, a soul uh, or there's um, some form of consciousness. Maybe it's not like a religious consciousness, but it's, it's me. I am the unit of, of that you. You are the unit of your personal psychology. And that's, you know, these two, these two, consciousnesses or two psyches, maybe they interact, maybe they're part of a larger group, but it's sort of this sense of a bunch of units in a system. Transpersonal psychology is 
a different perspective. So there's this idea that we're swimming in this world of all these different all these different powers, intelligences, and often like they're they're ranked. People make a lot of maps. I like to make <laughs> I like to make maps. <laughs> I, I'm a fan of maps and and these sort of taxonomies. Uh, Jorge Ferrer, one of my uh, my mentors, he was uh, in one one class I was taking for everybody's like it's like Alex, you're you're always making these new charts, these new diagrams. <laughs> like 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 when is it going to end? <laughs> and it, it never ended. It just just kept kept going. So I I like those 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 maps, those charts. Um, but there's this idea that there are these domains. You know, that's sort of the 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 more the most sort of general abstract term. These domains of intelligence outside of human intelligence, domains of psyche outside of the, the human psyche, but also outside of the, the individual psyche. Often we're the senses were anchored in this, this deeper ground of being, which already that's kind of a, a contested term in certain ways, but we're anchored in this, in this deeper matrix. Uh, and everybody has a different take on what that is, but it's, it's, it's particularly important, I think, it's an, an antidote to nihilism, right? Um, an antidote to, to some of the more cynical impulses in our society. And it's an antidote to, to some of these, you know, some of our, our ways that, that are some blind spots, right? We get locked inside of our own head and it's kind of unhealthy. And transpersonal psychology offers all this, you know, such a rich world. Uh, and in particular, uh, in the um, when I was doing work in the in the philosophy, cosmology, and consciousness program uh, at CIIS, um, there was this sense of the the enchantedness of of the world that that we went through this arc in Western history and the development of the modern mind, where we distance ourselves and, in some sense, rejected or suppressed these magical, enchanted wondrous, mysterious dimensions of the universe. And um, that the, the view that the modern mind holds up, it's, it's you know, it's, 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 it's a great, it's great in so many ways, <laughs> but in some ways it, it's, it's just, it's dead wrong <laughs> about the fact that, about the fact that the universe is, is, is just like, you know, a bunch of billiard balls bunch bouncing off of each other. Thank you for that. I think that was very helpful. I think you've kind of have done this and there are several things that you've said that we're going to elaborate on. Uh, but one of the questions I had, and this is what I think you've already done is I wanted to ask you to walk me through the psychic landscape that makes up this cosmology of the soul. So could you go a little bit deeper as to what exactly this is? What's going on in the model that you're presenting? So yeah, thanks. I love, I love talking about this model. <laughs> and it, it's always evolving. Um, and I'm always emphasizing different parts of it at different times. But yeah, it's I I, I think a lot about it <laughs> all day, every day. Uh, so I think the, the ecology is really the, the place to start with. In contrast to most uh, you know, mo transpersonal models, um, psychologies, you know, I don't really start with this sense of like the human being as the center or alternatively maybe the, the physical world as the center. And it's in some ways it's, 
it's a really, it's a model with no center. And that's why I like the idea of ecology. There's these different niches um, and there's these different beings living in these different niches and they relate to each other. So that's, that's sort of it right there. And we're just sort of open to, to that existing anywhere. Um, so there's a, you, we could think of like, okay, this, our physical world, you know, that's just, that's just one niche. That's just one world. Our physical world is in relationship to these other worlds, many other worlds, which we can't see because they're not physical unless we're doing certain practices or uh, working with, with things like psychedelics to, to be able to, to perceive these worlds. And, you know, we can, we can talk about, you know, are we really perceiving them or are we somehow co-generating them with our consciousness? That's a, that's a huge line of inquiry. But there are these, these other worlds. These worlds are inhabited. These worlds have intelligence embedded in them. Our world has intelligence embedded in them. And they're relating to each other. So that's sort of the, the landscape of now. And then I think more importantly, we can sort of look at, or, or equally importantly, uh, we can look at a, a sort of um, another dimension, which is this, this ancestral dimension. Sometimes what I, uh, what I think of as, as karma or uh, following on the, the work of, of Rupert Sheldrake, the idea of the morphic field, that our actions now have this resonance that exists um, and, is, and, is, and is stored, that is, that is kept in these, this non-physical matrix. Some people talk about the, the Akashic record. It's kind of a, a similar idea. I love the idea of the morphic field, the idea that there's this sort of topography, trans-physical. It's, it's physical and it's non-physical. The physical is just one element, um, like one little peak in this topography or one little valley, depending on how you want to think about it. And that, we, um, that we're carving out, we're carving out these channels through this topography, generating new worlds. Worlds are, are coming to an end, but there's this, this memory, this informational matrix where this, where this stuff is stored. And the key part, um, and this is something I, I really, comes from my work with Jorge Ferrer, is that uh, the universe, this, this ecology, it, it's participatory in nature. The human soul is participatory in nature. We participate in this, in this, this greater topography, this greater matrix, this, this greater field. And that is, that's absolutely, that's absolutely significant. We, we have to bow to the reality that we live in. We can't be like, okay, I, I co-create my own reality. Um, doesn't know this it really matters. It's all love and light. <laughs> it's like, no, uh, we, there are, there are our, the actions of our consequence, the consequences of our actions resonate for a very long time. Our decisions are, are very important, but also we have, there's this great sense of significance, right? Again, this antidote to nihilism is I'm not just this cog bouncing around, maybe you know, some older conceptions of astrology of this just, you know, very deterministic you know, sort of mystical universe that we live in, uh, archetypal universe that we live in, but we can't really do much. Well, the participatory framework is like, yes, there are these archetypal principles, but we're, we're moving forward in them. And so the last piece I would say, going a little deeper, is that like, where, so where do I come from? Like, I'm, I'm a human being. I have my, my, my job. <laughs> I pay my taxes. <laughs> I go to work. <laughs> I have a family. Like, like, how do I fit into this huge cosmic world? 
And so the, the who we are, our personal consciousness, our, our waking consciousness, is part of a larger unconscious or maybe a super conscious, a larger domain of intelligence that's sort of like my intelligence, my larger self, my higher self, my deeper self. And that isn't self, it's embedded in these other powers. And where do those powers come from? Well, they, they, they pre-existed, like my personal existence, your personal existence, but they came together in this very composite way. So it's, it's, a, it's a contrast to these other uh, cosmologies that say, well, okay, we admit there, there, there's, there's a spiritual world, it's God, it's Brahman, it's the Tao, it emanates and there's, and there's you know, the individual. End of story. Um, no, it's like there are really a lot of powers that come together. And this is where we, we get into this idea of, of, of integralism or the, the an, an integral inquiry is that we're looking at these different powers and we're not privileging one. We're not trying to drill down to the very basic bedrock and figure out, okay, okay, what is the real reality or who is the supreme being? We're accepting that because the world is ecological, the cosmos is ecological, it originates out of this interplay of all of these, all of these powers. And that's what brings me into the world. And that's what's, you know, moment by moment, we're generating this world together, all of us. And behind us are all of these, these ancestors, these allies. Um, because of these allies, uh, I just want to make sure I'm getting your terminology correct. This greater vision and the allies, this is, don't you also refer to this sort of, I guess, theory as the alliance or does yeah. the alliance mean something more specific or other? Uh, more specific, align, the term alliance uh, refers to this very specific uh, structure okay. um, that reality seems to be seems to be organized around you kind of think of it as a as a mandala um okay. in a more general sense i talk about allies um so non-physical allies uh in a, in a very uh sort of maybe more familiar to at least people who, who do spiritual work yeah ally it's like a spirit guy right it's a it's an inner voice a higher self a deeper self uh some kind of some kind of, of intelligence that I can help come into my experience of the world and that will be helpful to me. Uh, maybe give me some guidance, maybe help me do some divination, see the future. Uh, maybe it'll participate in a healing of a client, help me heal a client. Maybe it's sort of a virtue that arises within me or, or virtue that arises in a society, so these, these allies. The, the sense of these maybe magical beings in a, in a very, you know, literal sense uh, that, I, that I think is, is uh, at times can be valid, uh, a being that can be conjured into a room to participate in a ceremonial space to help further the health of the, the, um, the participants in the ceremony. But I use this term ally, it, I, I use it in such a general sense to really refer to any being that we might encounter and even the beings that aren't so nice, aren't so helpful, uh, that are maybe representative of, of sort of diseased spiritual energies, they're still potential allies. Ultimately, you work long enough, patiently enough, you can, you can, you can bring them in. So that's the sense of, of just the world is filled with allies. We need to be in contact with our allies. They are our birthright. They brought us into this world. 
were, were, were really were the tip of this spear that's moving through and the allies are propelling us and we're, we're, we, we want to help them presence more in this world. Not to erase my personal ego, um, but to just help my, my personal ego come forward, our society come forward, our relationships come forward with these very benevolent energies that we're usually not aware of. That we're usually, we don't, we kind of pretend they don't exist. And then there's a, a, a sort of a, 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 a very close relationship um, of, the an, of ancestral presences. Um, so if, if you sort of think about it, wait, they're, they're what's bringing me forward into this world, that, that sounds like an ancestor, uh, a deceased ancestor, or just you know, some, some more general ancestral matrix. So those would also be, those would also be allies. Now, this structure that I refer to as, as alliance, uh, it is a certain way that energies come together. Uh, this is sort of the, the core of the, the continual work that I teach. The universe figured out this way, figured out this sort of mandala, this structure of the way these energies can be integrated together, the way they bounce off of each other, the way they complement each other, the way they, they align with each other. And it, it creates this, this energetic pattern, this developmental pattern um, that we see, that I see, I see it everywhere. Uh, um, that's my, my contention that it's, that it's embedded into the very fabric of reality. And when we start moving in alignment with this, good things happen. Would that be similar to synchronicity? In what way? What well, I was thinking in terms of synchronicity in the way of a um, kind of an alignment, a alignment of various forces and symbols that provide guidance and meaning at a specific time but it's sort of temporary. I mean, it is temporary. It's a temporary configuration. And when you were speaking, that's what I was thinking of was uh, uh, synchronicity. Yeah, yeah. I, uh, I'm, I'm familiar with the concept of synchronicity, particularly in, in the work of, of, of Carl Jung. And um, it's, a, it's a pretty trippy concept when you, when you think about it. It's the way, and the way I think about it is just that there is pattern and meaning embedded in the universe. And the fact we're not seeing it all the time is because we're, we're, we're conditioned to screen it out. And that conditioning uh, basically is a good thing <laughs> because we'd be completely overwhelmed. We wouldn't be able to, to function. And you know, we, we see this kind of in, in schizophrenics, right? Uh, the, contention, I think, is, is most people who work in this world is schizophrenic people aren't deluded. They're not hallucinating. They're not creating something that isn't there. They're just there in a, in a way that's pathological. Um, but the gate is open too wide and they're seeing those synchronicities. They're seeing the, the patterns. They're seeing the larger pattern, but they can't they can't sort of close the gate and, and, and focus. So that, that condition, that biological conditioning, that social condition, it's a good thing, uh, but it's also used in this sort of program of disenchantment of the modern mind. It's, it's used to sort of keep us in our little box, <laughs> keep us domesticated. We don't want you seeing the larger patterns, the larger intelligences here. We want to keep you focused. So there's sort of this balance of, of that. And that I think is is very, very core to the work I do. Uh, I'm thinking of, um, you know, the idea of, of inflation, the, uh, of 
of uh, psychological inflation, spiritual inflation, where somebody opens to these powers, the powers come in and the person becomes convinced that they're the prophet. They can convince that they're, they're, they're embodying the Godhead. They're the Messiah. <laughs> and they're convinced it's all happening right now. And, you know, they're going to tell you, you know, this is, this, is, this is the moment at which the new age begins and it's all getting cleared away and they have a straight line to that. And uh, everybody warns against this, right? Like the dangers of becoming inflated. You start you tap into this stuff and it's like, whoa, <laughs> like, like my eyes have seen the glory <laughs> and boy, am I going to tell you about it. Um, so that's uh, human societies have developed ways of modulating these energies. Um, and these techniques we have of modulating these energies, it's, it's a very mixed bag. Right? We're, we're, we're doing what we have to do to sort of block out the full weight of the numinous. Jung talks about this, the, the mediation, the way that the psyche mediates the numinous. It's got to happen. It's gotta be, we have to be able to mediate it. But that mediating function becomes calcified and it can become a very oppressive tool for keeping us sort of trapped in our, our, um, our archonic prison. Yeah, those damn archons. Um, <laughs> I'm always cursing the archons. Uh, you know, and the demiurge. Let's not forget the demiurge. Yes. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's, you, you know, um, I think that people who work or are open to synchronicity, one of the things that I've heard a lot is that the more you pay attention, the more you observe. And so something you had said previously also that kind of that triggered the initial question, but, you know, I'll share this with you uh, many, many years ago. Uh, this was back in the 90s sometime. Uh, I decided to try to look at the world as if everything were a symbol. And I was trying, I think, to live in that sort of matrix where I was completely open to everything. And I could only do it for about a week or so. And it was just way too overwhelming. So, uh, yeah, I understand that the need for that filter. So uh, let, let's dig in to the entities. And uh, there, and this is going to lead me to something else. I, I, I'm very curious about them. And I told you before we began recording that, you know, I don't know if I want to say that I'm a skeptic because I think that may be a little bit too harsh. Uh, I, I'm evidence-based, I suppose. And there's a part of me that is a bit hesitant. I, I know that... For example, I would consider myself a reincarnationist. I think that there's evidence for reincarnation. And if reincarnation is true, that entails that there is a non-physical something where there are some kind of entities somewhere. Uh, so, you know, I have to admit that. I also know that there's a history of working with non-physical entities or allies uh, there, that's part of the shamanic traditions. Right. Um, when I was younger, I was really taken with the uh, channeled work of Jane Roberts, the Seth material. Uh, and I know that in the Western esoteric traditions, uh, Alistair Crowley, uh, his book of the law, the foundation of the Lama, 
was transmitted to him through an entity, an alien entity named Iwas, I think. Uh, uh, both Robert Anton Wilson and Philip K. Dick, you know, authors that I admire, um, uh, had some kind of communication from some non-terrestrial and I think non-physical source. Uh, I don't know if you're familiar with it, but even now, uh, a UFO researcher, uh, Stephen Greer, is training people on how to contact alien entities telepathically. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so this is all, you know, it's a challenge to a materialistic point of view. It's a challenge, as you said, to the cosmology that we all find ourselves sort of trapped in at the moment. So I, 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 I want to ask you about these entities and I want to ask you about your research on these non-physical entities. Uh, and I'm just going to hand it over to you. <laughs> cool yeah 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 um yeah so i i think one thing to this is such a big question right it's such a big domain of inquiry and it's kind of the the heart of those of us who are we're interested in the non-physical worlds this is this is sort of the the big question is is okay what are the validity of these intelligences, like how can we speak of them meaningfully? And, and okay, like you're painting this cool picture, but how is this different from just a really cool science fiction story? Like what, what, is, what is the pragmatic value? And I think uh, it's important to really, to, to acknowledge when we, we sort of step into this world and when we, when we, when we talk about it in a, in a in a serious way, in a in a in a in a, a way that really honors what's there, is that these entities and allies, beings, whatever we want to call them, ancestral presences, they're not like they are. They are. We can think of them very usefully as people. Like I'm okay calling them people, um, but they're not people in the way that we are people, right? Um, this is kind of like, I kind of get this thing, like if, if I'm debating with like a, 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 a fundamentalist or a hardcore theist, like what I come down to is like, yeah, this, this, this God being that you, that you worship, um, that's talked about in your scriptures. Like if we really get down to it, is, is it really a being in any meaningful sense of the word? If it's truly supreme, if it's truly infinite, like it, is it, is it like, it, it just sort of, it loses the it just becomes meaningless to talk about it as a as a being or as as having will. So I think that's that's an important thing to keep in mind with with sort of all these non-physical beings is that when we say they're intelligent, when they say they have purpose, when they say that they are people, when they say that they exist as in some sense as individuals, that's not in the same way as we experience it in the physical world. Um, but that's also not to just to throw in the towel and be like, okay, they just exist differently. So we can't really talk about it. Like I get, I get a little bit, um, I'm not a fan <laughs> of, of people in, 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 in the, the response that I hear from some people when I'm talking about these, these things of like, well, you know, it's ineffable. We, we can't talk about it. The Tao is the Tao that can't be spoken, period, end of conversation. <laughs> it's like, ah, <laughs> okay, like what, what do I do with that? So that I, that I think is, it's, 
it's important to, to hold both of those, that there's the physical world that is described to us by scientific materialism or the rather limited spiritual worlds that are described to us by spiritual cosmologies. That's not all that's going on. They describe a certain sector of reality. Uh, some of my, my very conventional, you know, Christian, devout Christian friends, they, they, there's, there's a part like their theology, which I mostly like quite disagree with. Uh, there are parts of it that are very, I think very useful and, and you have real pragmatic value is seeing something important. The scientific materialists, you know, there, there's, you know, there, there's, there's a lot to be said for that materialist, uh, sort of incisive materialist lens, the scientific lens, very, very, you know, I, I love, I love science, you know, and, and it's more what I think of as a pure state. I really like it. So these, these are useful, but there's more going on there. And so that's, I think, anytime we step into this, this sort of discussion, we have to think that to say that they're just hallucinations, to say that they're just ephemera, just like my overactive imagination, um, you're, you're, you're on drugs, you know, you're, you're, you're seeing something that's, that's, that's not there. Uh, this, is, this is schizophrenic. Like all these things that just write it off, like that's not true. But also, um, and this is uh, the problem I have with a lot of new age material is it's just overly literal. It's like, okay, I encountered this being, you were meditating in a non ordinary state, or you were born with this gift to transmit, you know, the stuff from this, uh, this, you know, Alistair Crowley's guide or Jim Roberts' uh, guide, you know, Seth, like, 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 but then there's sort of the way it's, it, it's articulated is like, wait, like, this being sounds just like, you know, it just sounds like the guy living down the street, but, you know, cooler and more powerful. Uh, um, Neil Donald Walsh, like Conversations with God. Like, I love those books. They're so like, they're just, it's just such a, a healthy perspective. But, but reading them, I'm like, why does this sound like the worldview, like God's worldview is a late 20th century guy living in the Pacific Northwest? <laughs> you know, it's, it's so clearly like, like God is just like the highest realization of the values of, of, this this guy in, in this in this particular culture, um, and we can say that I think uh, with with great with great um, certainty, <laughs> uh, with great emphasis at least that a lot of relig any religious tradition we look at, you know, they're they're the holiest of the holy scriptures. They're like, yeah, this is so obviously a product of your culture. It might be the the best that your culture has done but it's just a product. Okay, so that, that's, that's sort of a whole, a whole thing. I just, I, we just have to like get out of the way. And it speaks to sort of your idea as skepticism. So I think it's, it's right to be skeptical when people are just like, yes, you know, they've told me, you know, the, the Andromedans told me that the world's going to end in 2012. It's like, okay, like that's, okay. They're from Andromeda. There's a world, it's ending, it's 2012 is when it's gonna end, okay. You're getting some some important information here, but how how should we really interpret that? It's like your dreams, right? Like, like okay, my, my dream. I had this very like disturbing dream. Well, how should we how should we interpret that? Um. Yeah. So let me let me just just is there let's let's just sort of let me put that out and if there's a you want to launch off from any of those 
I think that's absolutely correct. And it helps me put into perspective some things. And, you know, one of the issues, especially with what we would refer to as like channeled material, that would be like, you know, the Jane Roberts and uh, what Crowley did with the book of the law. Yeah, there's some really good ideas in there. And there's some, you know, and I think that Crowley's book is probably the one that's probably the most out there in terms of trying, just trying to read it. Uh, doesn't necessarily read like his time and place. Uh, maybe. Um, I have a hard time reading through a lot of Crowley stuff. One of the things I teach my students all the time is that every sacred text is a product of its place and its time. And so when we read the Hebrew Bible, we're reading the product of a Bronze Age theology, of a Bronze Age people. And it's going to reflect that. And the question, though, is, you know, is there, you know, were the authors of these texts, were they inspired? That's something we can't ever answer. But even if they were inspired, it still filtered through the lenses of their time and their place. I also was thinking one of my interests uh, and probably a little bit of an obsession is with UFOs. And I love the contact movement, the contactees of the 1950s. And even today, you see a similar thing where the messages that they're getting refer to the particular situa historical situation. So back in the 50s, the contactees were all being told, end nuclear war, get rid of the bomb. Yeah. And now it's all about climate and ecology and uh, the environment. But that doesn't necessarily undermine, I don't think, right. the reality, you know, because these are messages that we need to hear. Yeah, the, the UFO material, I think, is the most challenging. Nick, are you familiar with um, Sean Hargens's work in uh, exostudies and extraterrestrials and UFOs? Uh, no, um, I will write his name down, uh, Sean Hargens. Yeah, he uh, was he was at um, the California Institute of Integral Studies, and he, he's the founder of Exo Studies, hmm. and it um, I, I deeply respect his his uh, his work. Uh, it just seems like he he he's not falling in any of the traps that hmm. people sooner or later fall into, and. But he, some of the stuff he has is, it is very literal. It is. I mean, and he looks at, he looks at the gamut of like, like any, any different dimension, any different form of inquiry. It's, it's all there, but there, there is some stuff like, you know, there's a piece of a physical material that's sitting in a vault somewhere that came from an alien spacecraft and you can go and touch it. And that's, that's, I think a good, a good line where I'm just like, whoa <laughs> like like i like i think you know i i'm open to that as being i'm very open to that as being a, a, a real possibility but if you were like yay or nay i think i would say i would say nay mm -hmm. I, would, I would say like i don't that just sounds that just sounds in it just sounds incredible you know incredible mm -hmm. as in <laughs> it, it yeah. doesn't sound quite believable um i'm open to it i'm open to being disproven uh but that's where you know the the the, the rubber kind of hits the road when you really get into these physical things. Like, okay, can I go and touch it? Can I go and do it? Or, or can we get, can I get some other people and go look at this, this thing that's supposedly there and we can compare notes? That's where it starts to get, 
that's where it starts to get kind of. Yeah. But, you know, I also think, uh, one, I want to say that the person that I'm somewhat familiar with who studies some of these things from an academic point of view would be uh, Jeffrey Kripal. Okay, and yeah. um, there's, and, and, and I'm so grateful for him that he is opening these things up to legitimate academic scrutiny and study. Right. Because they right. need to be. Yeah. Uh, there's uh, another academic, I forget her first name. I think her last name is Polchuka. Uh-huh. And she wrote a book, um, American Cosmic, which does much the same. And I also know that there is a connection. There's been a connection for a long while uh, recognized between like aliens and um, fairy encounters, right? Little people. I think Graham Hancock wrote about this in his book, Supernatural. And with those, you know, there are allegedly, you know, it may not be the beam of a UFO, but, you know, possibly a crop circle or a fairy circle. Um, And I also think about mass sightings of things and not just mass sightings of UFOs, but mass sightings of uh, the Virgin Mary, um, you know, and, uh, you know, and boards and whatnot. And uh, there was one in the um, uh, Eastern Europe, I think back in the nineties, I forget exactly where it was. Uh, One of my best friends went there. Um, I don't think she saw anything, but a lot of people were doing this. So it seems like whatever this, matrix is of multiple intelligences it seems like it can on occasion break through not just to one individual but many individuals yeah and is it possible that there could be a physical aspect to it yeah yeah so i you know i was just sort of saying my 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 more skeptical like where i finally become a skeptic (laughs) like which is really like it's a a very narrow domain where i become skeptical um but even that i'm going i'm going to qualify and say i you know as a as a good you know researcher (laughs) as a as a good person doing open inquiry if i want to if i want to be doing quality inquiry i have to accept the inevitability that there are things that are going to happen within my lifetime that are going to, they're going to blow my mind. There's the stuff that, that I'm going to be like, whoa, <laughs> like really didn't think crop circles were real. I have now changed my opinion. <laughs> crop circles are, crop circles are a thing. Like there are, there are beings that are going in and they're cutting the grass or laying the grass down. Like didn't, didn't really think that was happening, but it is. So, so for example, so stuff like that will happen. I, I think it's, I think it's really, um, it's really there. One thing, though, I, you were when you were talking just now, I it, that I started thinking um, is, I feel like there's there's a, there's a little psychological trap that we get into when talking about this, and I've, I I'm I've been in that trap, and I'm still kind of struggle with it a little bit, but. There's this thing where we kind of exoticize um, these beings, right? And our mind looks, it wants to look to the fantastical, right? It wants to look 
to the wondrous. It wants to look to the, the, the cool shit. Like, I want to, I want to, like, that's what I want to talk about. And extraterrestrials, right? For most people, like, they're pretty cool. Like, they're like aliens, right? We want to think about them. We want to we tell stories about them. And, but, embed, but embedded in that, I feel like there is this, this kind of um, what I would call kind of a, a dissociative transcendent psychopathology, um, uh, which is sort of the, the, the pathology of the dissociated mystic, uh, where it's like, I don't really care about the earth. I, I want to I get away from the earth. The earth is dirty and disappointing and confusing. Let me let's go into the luminous realm because that's where that's where it's not <laughs> dirty and disappointing and confusing. And that is that is, I think that is significant, right? When we're doing these inquiry in these in these non-physical worlds or you know maybe paraphysical worlds, quasi-physical worlds, uh, we 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 have this choice of where I direct my attention. I can direct my attention to a very you know, high energy valence, a very deep valence, a very more this worldly valence, maybe a more receptive valence, a more projective valence, a little more yin, a little more yang, uh, a little more embodied, a little more disembodied. We have a choice. And they're, they're valid choices, right? And these worlds come through. And so we have an obligation to not get kind of stuck in a rut and, and constantly be be going towards something um, to the exclusion of everything else. And we have these emotional needs, right? And our emotional needs condition where our awareness goes. And where our awareness goes indicates the kind of world that we see, or maybe more accurately, the kind of world that we bring forward, the kind of world that we, we shape not in its entirety, but the entire world that, that comes forward. And we have this obligation to be, sort of to let the reality flow through us and to modulate our emotions, not to deny our emotions. Our emotional engagement, our passion is essential to what we reach out for. So I say this sort of from a perspective as like a, a deep ecologist or maybe an, an environmentalist or is, we, have, we need to be careful about spinning out into these other worlds and forgetting about the world that's here. So anytime I hear about people talking about extraterrestrials, which I'm like, yeah, there, there's definitely extraterrestrials in some form are definitely out there as far as I'm concerned right now. But when we start spinning out, it's like, but what's happening here? It's kind of like the idea of like um, Jeff Bezos and his, his rocket, right? It's like a lot of people are like, oh, cool, like the technology takes off. And like, wow, he, he broke free of gravity. And then the reaction is like, yeah, but, you know, people can't afford to like go to school and, and like we don't have school lunches. <laughs> like what's up with that? Like maybe there's a disconnect here. So I think we, we do something in the spiritual community as well, right? Um, yes, let's break free of Earth's gravity. Let's see what's out there. I'm, I'm excited. But what's happening here? So the... The allies that, I, that I'm looking at, they are so embedded in human history. You know, the last 20,000 years, you know, very, there's, I have these, these pretty um, you know, somewhat detailed <laughs> uh, uh, models, you know, cartographies um, of, you know, what allies arose and what, 
of what parts of human history. And then even the human, the allies that originated through the human psyche, they actually come from these deeper biological matrix, these species minds, uh, these, these different beings. So that's something when someone's channeling a being, and this happens, I, I see this unfortunately, or I don't know if it's unfortunate, but I, but I see this, it's, it's a challenge how often when I'm dealing with a client, a being is speaking through them. And it's, it's, it's a very, um, you know, it's a being that doesn't love this world, <laughs> doesn't love the earth, but it speaks with authority and speaks with passion and has a, has a very broad perspective, a very piercing sort of illumination. Um, but it doesn't love this world. It doesn't care about, you know, the chipmunks that are scampering around on the, it's like, ah, the chipmunks, like, they're not important. Humans are what important. And even like the transhuman. So that's, that's when you were talking about that. I think that is sort of my, my, my greatest interest in the, in the extraterrestrial, um, what is that? A debate, <laughs> phenomena, interest, <laughs> movement, uh, inquiry, larger line of inquiry is yes, um, I'm excited about it, but I just, I, I, I see how quickly, it seems, it seems very common that people get spun out into this stuff and I'm like, yeah, but you know, th these birds are going extinct. Um, like, <laughs> how, how are we gonna deal with that? Yeah, and it's, and it's an assumption. I mean, unless you're having a visual you know, encounter with like a craft or an entity, you know, a lot of the, especially when it gets into the uh, telepathic sort of communication, it, it's an assumption that it's an alien from another planet. It could be a intelligence from here, like you say, unless they're told, you know, yes, we're from Andromeda or Sirius or um, I forget what the other um, big ladies. Yeah, the Pleiades. Yeah, um, don't forget the Pleiades. Yeah, but you know, I'm just I'm just fascinating, regardless of any of that, of the hand in hand of getting the information or the communication, and then also saying like spheres in the sky or something. Um, but uh, I think your point's really well taken. Um, and one of the questions I have is. Can people enter into communication with these entities? Does it require a non-ordinary state of consciousness? And I also wonder if someone can enter into communication with these entities just out of nature, because it seems to me that there may be nature entities as well. Totally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like it's, for me, it's, it's, it's all really, really seamless. So the work I teach is the continua work. It's a continu these, these continuums. So it's, it's plural. <laughs> There's multiple continuums, these continua, but within our relationship to them, they are continuous with our, with our, our, our psyche. So absolutely like, 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 yes, and it, it's such a strong yes, it, it, it's actually like, it's a statement about just the organization of reality, right? That it's, you, yes, you, you can walk into nature and you're just like cruising along and, you know, thinking about, well, oh, what am I gonna cook for dinner tonight? And no, oh, that, that was a tough conversation I had earlier. And, oh, this tree is like, ooh, wow. Like there's something about this tree, like, or I just had this idea, but it was like, 
something about my relationship with this tree. Um, so the, the whole idea of ordinary state of consciousness and non-ordinary state of consciousness, very valuable. Like I think about that distinction all the time, but to really think like, okay, ordinary consciousness is, it's, it's all relative. It's where I am here, non-ordinary consciousness is over there. Um, so there can be something where I'm completely blown out of my, my what I normally think of as my center. And uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm often, I think I'm, you know, I'm in Andromeda, you know, <laughs> I'm, I'm seeing, I'm seeing these galactic vistas, you know, that's happened. I've been there. Um, maybe not Andromeda, but, um, you know, galactic vistas disclosing themselves um, or deep time, right? It's like, whoa, like this was, was like millions of years ago, like very significant events were happening. Um, or even farther, you know, getting blown out of time and space. Like I'm just in a completely timeless place, but it's, but it can be a little closer in. And the thing that I, 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 um, you know, I, I, I say a lot, maybe I say it a little too often is, is the places that are closer are not, there's nothing wrong with them. They're, they're not lesser. They're not of lesser value. They're not of lesser realization. They're not in some sense more like, and it's not like the things that are farther out are, are, are less corrupt or more benevolent. It's the infinite and the finite, you know, the finite is not less than the infinite. Right? That's kind of something to, to keep in mind. So yes, uh, psychedelics, you know, like the classic, get me into a non-ordinary state right now. <laughs> I want to see some shit. Um, you know, great. Yeah, wonderful. But I think it's, it's probably, you know, we can, I would, I would assume that cultures that evolved in areas where there just weren't many psychedelic plants a long time ago, you know, everybody was shamanic, you know, all cultures had shamans, um, as far as we know. Uh, but, you know, non-psychedelic shamans, I'm sure they developed ways of, of doing that. I think of, um, I don't know much about this tradition, but like the Native American traditions of North America, um, the way that sage, the sage plant is considered to be, you know, among some people, among some tribes, to be just <laughs> like that, that is the, the, the master plan. I don't know what they call it, but like the whole, that's the holiest of holies, not maybe like the peyote or, or, or something like that. And so this idea that people, some people now, but maybe more commonly in the past, people could just be like, okay, it's the sage, you know, I'm getting some, some information. Part of the reason this question is of relevance to it. This question is really only relevant to it. It's a really good question. And it's, it's a, it's of extreme relevance to us because as a modern mind, We've, we're, we're really relative to people before us, relative to people living outside of the you know, modern civilization today, we're, we're so contracted into like what our ordinary state of reality is. It's, it's very, you know, it's very myopic, right? I, not, to, not, to, not to kick the modern mind while it's, while it's down going through its death and rebirth cycle, but, but, but uh, you know, I may impart some tough love to the, to the modern mind. It's like, it's really myopic. It does some stuff incredibly well, but it's like, hey, like, like everybody else, like the non-moderns are telling us, like, like there's so much more out there. Like, and it's kind of like, we're like hung up on them. Is it ordinary reality or is it not ordinary? I, I, I need to know. I feel like I'm losing control. <laughs> Speaking from personal experience. One of the things that I wanted to ask you about is that much of what you've been saying and what I've read of yours 
brings to mind something very specific. And I wanted to ask you uh, if you've explored the Western esoteric, in particular, the Western magical traditions at all. Not really. Not mm. really. I, I'm in dialogue with colleagues who are very deep into that, okay. uh, into that tradition. Mm. And um, yeah, uh, I, there are a few things that, that, that just have not resonated with me. Mm. And I think my, my wonderful colleagues in the Western esoteric magical traditions are like, Alex, like, hey, like, like here's some cool stuff we're doing. Like, like are you interested? And I was kind of like, well, mm, not so much. And I think it is, you know, I'm very much a product of my culture, right? I'm very much a product of my, my family. Uh, probably an you know, important biographical element. You know, my mother was a, was a, was a very directed and effective environmental activist uh, when I was um, nine, ten, uh, and that really, my brother and I were like deeply it, like impressed. Uh, that was that was a big part of our experience, uh, and so I always sort of go towards this thing of like like where is the significance of the other species? So anytime I get like, uh, yeah, these other species, they're, they're trying to evolve to the point to be humans. Um, like, oh, the humans, the, the wonderful enlightened beings that must be stewards of the earth. Like that, I'm just like, um, okay, <laughs> like we gotta, like that's pathological <laughs> or highly undeveloped. Like that's probably gonna be problematic. Like anything that, that places the human above or anything that goes totally inward. Uh, you know, I know that in the Western esoteric tradition, there, there are like sexual yogas and, and um, I, I imagine there's certain embodied practices, but like the lack of embodiment, the, the, like, an, like an insufficient like, reverence for nature, um, I think that's sometimes challenging for me. Um, and then here's the other one that, that's, that's very, uh, this is very interesting, is the idea of like manifesting stuff for yourself. Um, I'm, you know, I, again, my, I'm on the other side of my family, my father, you know, big longtime Buddhist practitioner, take me off to Buddhist retreats when I was like, I don't know, 15, 16, um, deeply impressed me, this Buddhist, Buddhist ethic of like, eh, <laughs> anytime you start getting attached to something, like, like, that's not necessarily a bad thing, but you got to be really careful about that. And working with magical forces. I mean, I, I have a hard enough time staying on the horse, <laughs> you know, on the yeah. best of days, you know, start dangling some pretty objects in front of me. And I'm like, Ooh, <laughs> like, yeah. I, like it, it's, it's probably game over for me. So I just really, anytime it's like, okay, like, um, what was that thing? The, the, um, the law of attraction or mm -hmm. the, the secret, um, yeah. like, yeah, I, I don't, I yeah. Personally, right I don't there. like either of those. Um, because there's a lot of victim blaming, I think. And it is about using the cosmos as a sort of, uh, ATM, um, yeah, yeah. or, you know, a catalog. Um, yeah. but when I was, when I mentioned the, the Western esoteric and magical traditions, what I was really thinking of, uh, I started exploring the history of them a couple of years ago. I knew a little bit, um, uh, you know, I do not consider myself a practitioner in any way. Um, but one of the things I have 
often been very interested in is why was there no sort of shamanism in the West? Because, and even looking at this from the perspective of a scholar of religion, it's like, it's almost completely absent in the Western traditions, but we know that it was everywhere, you know, and there was a passage in a book about Muhammad when he first had this encounter with the Archangel Gabriel, that he was terrified yeah. And that he thought he might have been, I always forget, it's like a Kahir or a Kabir, I think it's Kahir, which was a sort of shamanic figure. Yeah. And so I started digging in a little bit deeper. And I know that people, uh, you know, there are sort of shamanic aspects to the figure of Jesus. You can say that there's shamanic aspects to the prophets, perhaps. Mm-hmm. So I think it was there, but where I have found it, was in this Western esoteric magical tradition. Uh, When you look at it, it's like, this is complete. This is just shamanism. This is people entering uh, altered states of consciousness and intentionally coming into contact with these entities. Now they may be doing it for a specific end, uh, but I was thinking, you know, you know, you have these medieval and Renaissance grimoires and you know with all these symbols which are just mandalas yeah uh, and it's about invoking these spirits for various things you know the angels archangels demons and then you have edward kelly and uh john d um in the uh yeah d was with you know queen elizabeth the one um or you know crowley talks about uh invoking the uh, uh holy guardian angel yeah and so my question was really in based on that um, because I see a kind of connection uh, and, and I know that others have um, included the natural world uh, in there as well. Yeah. I don't know how successful they've been yeah. uh, in, in that. And these are often, you know, I don't know where these angels and daemons and whatnot exist if it is this transcendental other outside of human i mean it is extra human i suppose but i don't know that there's this desire to escape this world in that uh it does seem to be very much embedded in this world good yeah yeah you know who i'm actually thinking of when you're talking about this is uh john michael greer uh yes yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. 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 What, what's your, so how, how does John Michael Greer fit into this for you? I have only read a little bit of John Michael Greer. Uh, I did read a book of his a uh, few months ago and I don't remember all of it because I've read probably 20 books since I read that one, uh, <laughs> but he has a book on green hermeticism, Yeah, uh, which is Um, And I wish that I could remember more of what he said. Um, I would need to review it to see exactly how he ties it all together. I think that probably one way, and I'm sure that he does talk about this, is with the hermetic concept of as above, so below. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I always add to that a sort of, and I think this is Jungian, but as within, so without. Yeah. 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 So he, like, I feel like Greer is, he's, he's completely versed in, you know, multiple magical traditions. He's, 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 
he knows his stuff inside and out. Um, but he's he's also uh, you know an arc druid of this um, like um, what do they call it? like a reconstructed order. Like he's he's very clear like this order does not go back to like the Paleolithic druids or or you know Neolithic druids. Um, like no, like we we people got together and 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 tried to tried to bring together this 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 uh, spirituality that was that was nature based, drawing on all these traditions. So he has a but he has a foot in both of those worlds, and, and his work as a druid I think is is um, top notch. I, I I I don't know how other druids would 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 judge him, but but I I think he's he's really in both both worlds. Um, so I think it's I think it's possible. And I yes, I thank you for pointing out like, yeah, the esotericists, they're not real, they're not about getting out of this world. I mean, that's like the flip side, right? Of of um, you know, if on one hand the pathology is like, I want to flee the world. Now on the other hand, the pathology is the world is my ATM machine. Like there's this nice meeting in the middle of 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 you know, where if you, you sort of get the best of both, like, like, let's not get sucked into all this, but let's also let's, let's have fun. Let's, let's enjoy it. Let's love life. The, the thing though, like what I'm thinking, you're, you know, you're mentioning something else here though. Um, and I'm thinking this in relation to, to the Druids and this sort of break in the Druidic traditions. Let's just, let's just assume for the sake of conversation, um, and I, I think you can, I think this could be, may not proven, but this, there, a lot of evidence could be presented for this. Let's assume all cultures were shamanic at one point in time. Let's assume European cultures were shamanic at one point in time. Let's assume that, there, that the figure of the, like the, the Neolithic Druid, the, the, you know, these, these practitioners like thousands of years ago, um, that they were, they were, it was a nature-based, it was like a nature-based shamanism. Um, and that there were, all these cultures, it wasn't just like in the British Isles, but all these different cultures had these traditions. Um, what I'm basically describing here is, is a pagan spirituality, but that word is so contested now, I just don't, I don't even wanna, I don't even wanna use it, but, but that's, you know, in terms of a, I'm, I'm speaking of the historical pagan, not the, not the spiritual pagan, um, uh, which is, you know, the spiritual pagan's a little, there's a whole religious apparatus there. Um, so, what I feel like is there's this, there's basically there is in the Western psyche, there is a deep wound and a, a, a craziness um, around the European encounter with Levant spirituality, right? Um, and I, you know, side note, but just to see where you're going, like the anti-Semitic strand that is so strong in the western psyche <laughs> um, you, you know in it, but it's, it's there in america it's there in europe it's still you know it's pathology still <laughs> like like squirting up you know toxicity and karma um what i feel like this is is that these beings came out of the levant right and cultural streams were carrying these energies of these beings out of the Levant. And cultures accreted around these very numinous energies in ways that were in some ways highly problematic. The Catholic church <laughs> carrying out you know, inquisitions, pogroms, um, the Protestant reformation 
spinning off of this and pulling on new allies, maybe transcendent, maybe of the earth, maybe they've been in the pagan mind for a long time, the historical pagan. And there's this freak out, right? In the Western psyche when it's encountered by these, these forces, these forces of domination, right? And um, I think we can, at least in the first few centuries, we can assume that the pagan encounter with the, with the, the Christian mind, which is kind of carrying inside of it this kernel of the, the Judaic mind, um, or Christian allies, Judaic allies, that encounter was traumatic. It was, it was massively traumatic. Um, you know, people being killed, people being raped, uh, children being taken from their families, given over to the church. Um, over time, there's this sort of survival mechanism where you have to, you have to incorporate, you just have to deal with it. You know, you have to absorb the conquered. You know, people do this all the time with modern Western culture, right? It comes into a culture and people are like, ah, <laughs> like, okay, I guess we got to become kind of modern now. Um, this happened to, you know, I'll say us <laughs> in, in, as, as, as historical moderns, um, as contemporary moderns. It, it's, we're freaking out about that encounter. So I think Western esotericism has this very, it's like, it's holding, you know, it's holding sort of, it's a countercultural current, obviously. It's very countercultural. It's, it's this, it's not like the, the dominator hegemonic culture, but it's also, it's absorbed some of these, these more uh, Christian um, cosmologies, which is, you know, obviously it's, it's Neoplatonic as well. Um, but it's absorbing that. And I think that's something, there's this tension that I, I just feel like in this conversation, there's this tension between like a more, like this ancient pagan um, matrix, this ancient, you know, pre-Christian pre matrix um, that has a very different way of relating to the world. And I think Western esotericism, it's like, ooh, the magic, the enchanted world, right? The enchanted world um, outside of strict Christian theology or, or you know, Catholic theology. Protestantism being kind of this important thing there. And I think how we relate to it is, is important. I feel like I'm, for whatever reason, I'm more, I'm, I'm more in this really, this deeper matrix, probably for reasons of my biography, but this, this older sort of pre-Christian matrix. And that, that kind of, um, some of the, the Christian cosmology, it seems a little like, ooh, like, oh, like, like it's, it's like something that you gotta, you gotta be alert to. You gotta be like, it's like, okay, time to dance. This is, this is, this is a very serious player and we've gotta, we've gotta deal with that. So I think that when we choose our, the spirit, when we find our, our spiritual path or we choose a tradition or we create kind of a, generate our own tradition, there's emotion, there's deep emotional needs there and deep aesthetic needs. And those are anchored. In our personal biography, but certainly our personal biography is comes out of this more transpersonal matrix. So I think that just just fascinating. It's like so many different strands are coming through there um, that yeah. like are in there in the conversation. <laughs> like they're yeah. they're all behind us. Like like dancing. Yeah, yeah. and uh, you hit on a lot of things that are why I'm personally kind of interested in researching this. Um, it was over the summer was the first time I really saw anyone make the claims or openly talk about the trauma of people who originated from Europe 
and yet lost their indigenous traditions uh, because of Christian conquest. And I think that there is something deep within us that wants to go back to that nature-based experiences and this greater enchanted world where there are, you know, helpful and harmful forces, right? And like I said, I've always been concerned with the, uh, you know, where did the shamanism go? You know, uh, you and I both uh, knew the uh, late uh, uh, Stephen Goodman. Uh, yeah. And uh, he told me once, I know, one of his observations to me was, you know, you just seem very concerned with tradition all the time. <laughs> and, <laughs> that to you yeah well and and i and i understand that because i think that we're kind of trained in a way to think in terms of tradition uh, in terms of spirituality that a history to the spirituality seems to be important and that's i think one of the reasons why the esoteric stuff is appealing to me because it provides a pagan tradition in the true sense of the term the old pagans not the new you know synonymous with wicca or anything like that but gives a avenue for entering into this very different cosmology and kind of spiritual ecology and i love that term spiritual ecology yes uh, <laughs> <laughs> rob rubin if you're listening <laughs> <laughs> Rob Rubin is, is actually a West, he's, he's my, my primary Western esoteric okay. uh, interlocutor, and he, he, he hates that term when I use it. <laughs> well, you know, when I was writing the uh, kind of putting together the brief bio for you, uh, and I don't know that you had given me the title of your dissertation before, okay. and I don't remember if you had mentioned a spiritual ecology when we spoke previously okay. uh, you might have you might have but i was reading everything i was going through the chapter of your dissertation you sent me and the other material and that's what came to me i'm like oh this is an ecology of soul really so you yeah. didn't you didn't get that from from you didn't actually see my dissertation title no it wasn't in the chapter header it was awesome. just chapter seven or awesome something. awesome yeah so good so good. Yeah. So I think that it it's simpler and it gets to the heart yeah. of of the matter. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I think the reason maybe I didn't mention it is I've been dredging up. I, I'm getting uh, the countersole. Um, I'm I, I've been just right now. I'm dredging up all this like really like otherworldly stuff. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, it's yeah. I think maybe <laughs> it's an ecology, but I but. It, it's not necessarily how I'm thinking of it right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I um, yeah. It's it's in, it's so interesting. It's funny you mentioned Stephen Goodman because he told me the opposite thing <laughs> when, oh. when I was talking to him. The great, the great uh, late Stephen uh, Tibetan Buddhist and sort of introduced me to shamanism. Uh, was pretty much directly. Uh, responsible the reason I went and like lived in Tibet for a while um yeah he, he I he was we were talking and I was like hey so uh Stephen this is this is kind of how I see the world and where I want to go and he's like ah <laughs> you want to be a ronin <laughs> <laughs> which I think was his way of saying interested in tradition enough 
Yeah. 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 He was so insightful and he always knew exactly what to say. (laughs) Yeah. 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 uh, Figure. Yeah. So, um, uh, let's move on a little bit and look at your continua work. Mm -hmm. And, uh, the first thing I want to do is ask you, well, what is it? So, yeah, this works with, uh, so it's, it's, I'm working with people, right? So dissertation, you're kind of in your own head. You're just like, I have this thing I want to say. I want to articulate it in a way that doesn't sound batshit crazy. Um, and that's, you know, that's kind of, you know, pure, pure research, right? Uh, especially sort of theoretical research. So that was academia. There was this important intermediate step. I don't know how necessary it was, but it was, it was important before I founded the continual work is I went back to school and I became a massage therapist. I, I was holding space and ceremonies for people and was flying by the seat of my pants. I'm still flying by the seat of my pants. Um, but I was thinking, I need to really get anchored. I need, I need, I need, I need a tradition, right? That's what I was like, I need a tradition. And I'm, I think I'm a little bit allergic to having other like you know, systems stuck into my head. Um, probably too probably a little, maybe a little too phobic. <laughs> uh, but anyway, uh, I was like, I want uh, an embodied practice. So I really, I really thought about this a lot. I was like, I remember pacing around my dining room table for <laughs> weeks on end thinking, hmm, like if I don't go into academia, what am I going to do? And uh, massage therapy was, was perfect. Uh, it it kind of came on me really, really suddenly that I wanted to do it. But um, it took me a while to accept that, okay, I'm going back to school again after all this time in my doctoral years. And uh, yeah, it was so embodied. So uh, working as an embodied healer. So that's where, that was the first time I was like, like, yeah, like you are working on people and they're coming back to you and they're saying, wow, you really helped me a lot. My work as a body worker was completely informed by all of this, this you know, my, my doctoral research that we've been talking about. And little by little, took these little steps um, to forming this body of work that I could teach people. And that became the continual work. So what do we do in the continual work? We basically teach, we teach people to cultivate a relationship with allies in order to help the world. Uh, there's a basic technique of healing so how to, have, and it's a, it's a hands-on healing technique, healing in conjunction with the allies. But a lot of it is just, it's just building, it's trying to make yourself as, as clear and clean, grounded, centered, transparent, uh, embodied as, as possible. And bringing, instead of bringing these, these spiritual powers in in kind of a dissociated way or, a, or maybe an inflated way, to really just these these basic practices um, that we that we teach, there is a cosmology uh, that really anchors everything. Anytime we're teaching anything, it's always anchored in this cosmology. The cosmology is a, sort of a, an unpacking of this this mandala, um, using the word loosely, uh, but a, a a a structure. The structure we use in the in the word I call it the the super this was disclosed to me in a non-ordinary state of, of consciousness uh, It really came through is this, this community of allies that come forward and they, they have the, it's pretty intricate the way they come together. And I think 
you know, students of, of Western esotericism, of, of Eastern traditions would be like, oh yeah, like that, that, that's a mandala. It's, it's actually kind of like a, a union um, quaternity, you know, <laughs> kind of. Uh, and that sort of, it's an, it's a, there's a developmental cycle that just keeps, keeps going around and around, um, but it also has like this spatial dimension and it's uh, reaching back into our ancestral history, our biological history, our, our spiritually active biological history back into these, these morphic fields to bring forward these, these allies and sort of live with them in our lives in a way that's where there's not this disjunction to, to really, like I was saying, to bring forward, like we're the tip of the spear, we're the, we're the, the, this node that's aggregating this wondrous node that's coming forward into the world at this time to participate in the world and our egoic individuality and all its grubbiness is, is, is this, you know, it's the diamond really at the, the tip of the spear that's pushing in the allies, my, my sense, my, my experience of the allies, they're, they're cheering for us. They love that we're in the world. They want to come forward. They love that they're participating in us. And the more we love that they're participating in us, the, the better they're coming forward. And it's, it's, uh, there, there's, the, these are powerful forces. So there, there are certain uh, practices and protocols to keep yourself anchored uh, and not be, not be blown out of the water. But when you realize how they work together, how they play off of each other, uh, you can become a more effective healer or just a, just a more effective human being. With working with the allies, I mean, you're giving people this training. And I'm thinking of one of my former roommates, who's a very close friend of mine. Uh, and she's, always, she's actually a massage therapist, too. She really opened my eyes to the value of massage and how healing it can be. And I think it's so important. And this is something I think that's really close to you of, you know, we have bodies, we can't just be focused on getting out of our bodies, our embodiedness is crucial and important. Um, but uh, the, the question I'm trying to think of is, uh, you know, she is, the, the language that she uses is her spirit guides you know, that she's trying to get in touch with her spirit guides and listen to them. So in this work that you're doing, are you helping people to be able to tap into that at any moment? Is it something that can help guide them on a daily basis? Um, can they receive messages just, you know, like driving in their car? Yes. Yeah. So it's seamless. Yes. In your ordinary life. There is this way in, in which the continual work, it, it is kind of just this, um, this idea of, of, of um, it's involutionary in the, in the way of like Sri Aurobindo's uh, thing. Of, there are these, these transcendent powers and we're, we're, we're bringing them, we're bringing them into, into, the, into our, our ordinary uh, world uh, through, our, through the, the collective human psyche. Or um, you know in the the union sense, like bringing the the contents of the unconscious into the conscious. Uh, so that's that is that is it. Uh, there there are techniques, there are uh, approaches, lineages where it's like, hey, uh, we need to find the game. We're 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 hunting. 
like shaman <laughs> go into your non-ordinary state and tell us where where the deer is uh or uh you know somebody might be like i'm playing the stock market and i need a little need a little extra that little little juju tell me tell me what i should should put my money on or uh healers you know hey my 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 grandmother is is she's in a she's in a very delicate state of health I need you to get in there and, and intervene. So that those sort of dramatic interventions often require kind of a movement into a a, a, a more radical non-ordinary state, and that's a, that's a domain. That's a, that's a sort of a, a maybe outer band or maybe far, far intermediate band of, of working with beings, where you go in there and there's a special condition. You go in there in a special state, and you and you you create a very specific uh, result in the world, and it could be for illumination too. It's like, okay, I need to like, you know, see the, the the greater reality, so I live my life more in alignment. It can be like that too. But what the continual work is, and what I think of, you know, I don't think it's that unusual, is that it is it is purely seamless, and we're really trying to bring these energies in to our life, but without erasing the personal ego, without erasing our relationships. So the textures of life, I think there's something about uh, the, the American mind, maybe the, the, maybe the Anglo-Saxon mind that is a little, like it's a little divorced from the, the textures of the world. In a, in a way, um, I, I tend to think of of the Mediterranean psyche of being a little more like, hey, like what's yeah, we have all this like highfalutin stuff, but but what's what's really important? Well, you know, let's 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 take a walk uh, down to the down to the like the cafe by the seaside and you know drink some drink some wine and, and have good conversations with our friends, right? Like that's that's the, the spiritual place right there. So when I'm sort of activating these, my soul or the souls of my body or, you know, bringing my allies in, in a way where they're here, they're, they're not erasing that. It, it's, it's, it's a bit of a, it's, it's, it's a practice too, right? You, you, you get this expanded awareness and you're like, this is all bullshit and you are all doing everything wrong. And I'm going to now tell you how to do it. Like that happens so often in so many like subtle ways, uh, you know, like, um, you know the, the 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 vaccine debate right now like on both sides you know people getting possessed by these complexes and being like i know this is right and i'm going to tell you how it is uh and it's like huh where have i seen this before like like oh yeah in the in the ceremony where the person had like you know drank a large cup of psychedelic medicine hmm very similar interesting um so that's where these these powers can come in but there are ways we can modulate it and a lot about it's just cultivating heart right uh, cultivating and breaking down sort of that distinction of like my ordinary mind, my non-ordinary reality. But it's like, it's sort of uh, this idea of pendulating. You kind of like go here, go here. And then you kind of, they start to, they start to merge these two states and then they form like a, a stream. So I, I, I've had great results so far. I, I am a, a big believer in the effectiveness of, you can bring through these, 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 the, the, the magical wonder the the enchantment the powers of 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 goodness right like like of humility and and, and generosity the the continual work the, the 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 super core this kind of mandala that you know there are these virtues that we're constantly developing but we don't we don't just focus on like these <laughs> transcendent like higher chakra virtues um we're, we're cultivating all the chakras of the body and then even like you know it's not even a 
a vertical axis. It's a, it's, it's a, it's all over. Um, it's, a, it's a messy, a messy. It's not even a sphere. It's just messy. Um, this entanglement, all these, this entanglement of virtues. We're trying to cultivate all of that. So that's, that's where it is. And more and more, the the work I'm, I'm, I'm working on. You know, and I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm moving into, you know, a. a I'm moving into middle age, I guess you would call it. And, you know, your priorities start to shift. Uh, new allies come through in middle age and start to awaken and want to play. And those are the allies that are like, hey, like, like you only have so much time left and let's, let's kind of be realistic. And what, what kind of legacy do you want to, you want to leave? And it's, it's less about, I want all my books to be read, you know, a thousand years in the future from now. <laughs> it's more like, hey, I just like to be maybe remembered as a, as a guy who, who helped people out. And if people don't even remember that, maybe I did, you know, help people out in this world. And, um, and maybe not just, you know, my tribe, but all the tribes, and maybe not just all the tribes, but all the species. Uh, how can I just like leave a, a humble, a humble imprint on the world? So that's sort of, that's sort of the, the sweet spot is tapping into these awesome, <laughs> just exciting, incredible intelligences that are that we don't normally experience in our culture in an ordinary state of mind. Tapping into that, playing in those in those just gorgeous waters, just incandescent with with wonder and enchantment, and bringing that through in a way, living that, expressing that in a way that's the most the most humble tender it's almost dis discreet like it's it's just very subtle it's very like ah it's very like, ooh, just bringing it through it's very ooh, i just love it uh, i i love that very much too um and appreciate uh what you just said uh, i'm a huge advocate for virtues but also i i really appreciate this idea of the the the, the stream you know that you've mentioned a few times because seems to me that, and I think this is what you were getting at a bit, people need to recognize that what they don't know. <laughs> and, um, you know, we get, often we get so caught up in these systems of belief and ideologies. And, uh, you know, we tend to think that we have access to absolute truth while everyone else's truth is subjective and forget that our truth is also subjective from the other yeah. person's point of view. Yeah. And I think that being able to maneuver through uncertainties yeah. and to get comfortable with the flow is crucial for our current moment. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Because we're just surrounded with uncertainties. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. That's a lot of the work I do in the non-RNA state is exactly that. Just read it, like be aware of the uncertainty and don't freak out. I just say, oh, okay, this is good. This is good. And it's like, wow, that was actually easier than I thought it was. <laughs> it's like, there's this, there's this kind of like this very contracted part of the mind. It's like, ah, ah, I got to know everything. I got to know everything. <laughs> Really losing it and it's like it's like that actually isn't a very strong part for most of us um that that's really not a very strong part of the mind and you relax that and little by little exercising that muscle and eventually you're like wow i'm okay with this this uncertainty very much in the in these uncertain times right that i think that's kind of it so much is changing and 
and we're, we're afraid. I, I, and I think hand in hand with that, Nick, I would, I, I, I really get to this place. Um, one of the allies I work with, it's very close to me. Um, she's always saying, like, what are you so afraid of? what are you what are you so afraid of like why is everyone so afraid and, and it, i want to acknowledge you know you know we're, we're going through some tumultuous times and and you know we've been in at least the the united states in the 20th 21st century if you're if you're you know not a a, a ter in a terribly marginalized place um you know we had a pretty we've had a pretty secure um, life and we can kind of count on certain certain things and those are being taken away from us and we're like whoa <laughs> now now we're living like the way the rest of the world <laughs> is living or the way most people lived in history and, and I want to honor that I want to honor that that you know that that creates anxiety um, yeah and let's let's really be uh, present and, and 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 bow to that that particular initiation that we're going through but once we do breathe through it it's kind of like like we're we're more we're more afraid than we need to be. Climate change is coming at us full on, is going to completely change this planet. The, the science, the beautiful science tells us that uh, it's, you know, the carbon's cooked into the atmosphere, things, things are not looking great, and it's really kind of too late to totally go back to where we were. Uh, but um, that's, that's not something we need, to, we need to freak out about. Bow to all the species that are being wiped off the face of this planet and will, will never exist as far as we know on this planet ever again. Bow to all the people being, being displaced from their homes in climate uh, catastrophe. Uh, but, um, but also it's like, you know, whatever, like the fear doesn't help. Caution, discernment, awareness, empathy, yes. Let's cultivate more of that. Let's not look away. Let's not be Pollyanna about it. Let's let's take a close look to the extent that we can to hold that uncertainty. Um, but uh, like, wow, you know, it's it, it's it, it, there is going to be a lot of turbulence, but it's not necessarily going to be bad, even in even in the near term. You know, I, I know I'm going out kind of on a limb there, but even in the near term, there, there's going to be so much so much joy in little in little pockets. I, I'm, I'll say that a little more with a little more confidence in like the midterm or long term. But yeah, it's there. It's there. It's there. I had an experience the other night that uh, left me with the feeling that it's all going to be okay. And, you know, I love me a good apocalypse. And, um, uh, and I understand uh, you know, I would, I often refer to it as the fear and capital F, the fear. I can be pretty pessimistic, but I don't know. It just hit me on Friday that it's going to be okay. I think that maybe that is a product of learning to maneuver through all of these uncertainties and mm -hmm. setting aside, you know, not abandoning the ego, because I think the fears that people are experiencing is manifested through the ego in many ways, mm -hmm. but learning to, you know, as you've been saying, to humble the ego a little bit. Um, um, that's what's going to get us through all of this. Yeah. Yeah. My understanding is you are currently working on a book. Yes. Correct? And yeah. I believe it is titled the counter soul or is that a tentative title? 
I it it, it feels it feels right. It feels okay. very right, my brother. <laughs> all right, all right. Um, I, I know it's a work in progress, but can you tell the audience anything about it? Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm very uh, very excited about this particular project. I, I get these these sort of fits and starts. I, I, I write and get red hot and then I kind of lose it and have to wait a while and it comes back up. It's, um, so I'm, I'm loving it right now. It's, it's a very personal um, book. And I think that's why it's, why it's, it's a little harder uh, to write uh, because it is about the countersoul. The countersoul is everyone has a countersoul. So we're familiar with the way a soul incarnates. And I, I'm sort of this extension of this soul that I identify with. You are an extension of a soul that you identify with. But after decades of inquiry, I was like, there's another being there. Uh, and it's, it's basically, if, I'm, if my soul is basically yang or sort of a, a mask, semi-quasi-masculine valence, there's this, there's this female quasi kind of yin valence that has incarnated with me, not fully, not obviously not physically incarnate, um, but it's there with me, these two unique beings. And you, you would have a counter soul as well. Um, and you would be these two unique beings that are sort of spinning, like, like a, it feels like a kind of like a helix, like you're sort of spinning around each other, never quite totally merging, but you're, you're, you're playing off of each other and have these very different, um, different uh, gifts. Uh, and the, the, the soul, the counter, the counter soul, but also like the ego is kind of in there too. It's, it's just, I just love it. Um, basically, uh, described by another name, this is the encounter with the anima complex. You know, the, you know, the, the, the contrasexual, uh, you know, I'm male, so the contrasexual female in my case um, would be the anima figure. Uh, I, I see the anima in the bikini figure from Eastern uh, psychology to be kind of uh, different valences of the same, the same counter soul being. Um, so that, so I'm diving into it. It has a lot of, in some ways, it's, it's just, in a, it's, a, it's a very uh, long love letter basically to my counter soul. Um, and um, it's just very, you know, it's, it, there's, a, there's a lot of eroticism in it. There's a lot of uh, just, you know, basic biography. I'm, I'm looking at different phases of my life and just like the, the, the kind of meandering, you know, it's, it's a very vulnerable thing, thing to write. And uh, fortunately to, to, to not, so I'm not caught totally in that vulnerability. There's a lot of these these uh, non-ordinary experiences where I'm working with this, this counter soul and looking at sort of, it's an excavation of her history and where she came from. Um, and it, it's just, it fits together very nicely uh, in, a, in a way that I'm like, huh, like there's something there. there there's, a, there's a unified pattern, but that's what it is. It's, it's kind of this devotional kind of like um, my inner goddess, and, you know, my, the, the bikini figure. Uh, the Tibetan uh, traditions, uh, you know, have this idea of the, the haruka and the bikini, uh, and it's uh, it's it's lovely um, for sort of in our society for a man to just be like, like, like I love this feminine so much, um, and to just to just to bring it in in this very uh, very sweet, tender. It's it's just a it's a kind of a it's a romantic adventure. Um, is, is, is what it is um and but it's not just when i'm on it's when everyone's on well, i look forward to reading it and when it's done i'll have to have you back on if not have you back on before yeah. um 
Love that, Nick. Love that. Uh, so uh, where can people find out more about you and your work? Uh, I have a, a website. Um, it is a www.thecontinuawork.org. That actually takes you to my, my uh, massage therapy business, but there's a little link down there um, uh, where it says uh, something like learn, learn more about the continual work or something like that. Um, so you just click through to that. I'm kind of like, it's, it's become a little more, <laughs> I sort of entered this phase of my life where it's a little more like, ooh, it's kind of hidden in the background. So that felt kind of um, appropriate. Uh, but yeah, uh, that's, a, that's a great way to go, go to go learn more about it. There's a lot of information there. Okay, I will uh, post the link in the show notes and in the video description on YouTube. That would be great. Also, um, I want to point out, uh, too, that uh, I don't have a course scheduled right now, but I teach the continual work in courses. My last course was uh, fully online uh, with uh, some senior practitioners. It was fantastic. Just <laughs> really just got to really didn't have to hold back um, much. <laughs> uh, but then I also teach more uh, sort of more general interest courses. We don't do quite the, quite as much a deep dive. Typically I'm teaching these courses in person, um, but because of the pandemic, uh, switched to an online format, which I actually uh, really enjoyed the, the online format as well. So that's another, another way uh, you could go to the web and learn about, um, learn about that. Okay, wonderful. Well, Alex, thank you so much for being with me today. I really appreciated your time in this conversation. And as I said, you know, I'll have to ask you to come back sometime in the very near future. Thank you so much, Nick. An absolute pleasure to uh, have this conversation with, um, with you. It's just so, uh, it's, a, it's an absolute, uh, it's an absolute delight just to, just to be able to talk about this stuff that um, that is so uh, that I think we're both uh, really passionate about. But also, I want to say it's a privilege too. You know, anytime someone gives you their attention, um, that's a there, that there's a magical act there. It's kind of a, a bit of life force you're bringing forward and being like, hey, like like I want to hear your ideas. I want to receive your your ideas. I want to be in dialogue with your ideas or your 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 medicine. Right. Um, so thank you again, Nick, a uh, uh, deep, deep, uh, deep honor to be on your, on your, on your show. And I'm, I'm, I'm a big fan. Okay. Well, thank you so much for that, Alex. And that's a wrap on episode 13 of Rebel Spirit Radio. Thank you so much for listening or viewing for my YouTube audience. I did want to make one clarification. When I mentioned having read a book on green hermeticism by John Michael Greer, the actual title of the book I read was The Mystery Teachings of the Living Earth, which I highly recommend for anyone who's interested in looking at the hermetic or Western esoteric and magical traditions and the natural world. In fact, anyone who's interested in Western hermeticism or the occult or magical traditions can't go wrong by looking at the works of John Michael Greer. If you enjoyed this podcast, please make sure to give it a positive review on whatever platform you use to listen to podcasts. Your reviews really do help. And please consider subscribing. For those viewing on YouTube, please give this video a thumbs up and subscribe to the channel. Also, make sure you hit that notification bell so you will be informed when I upload new content. For the time being, I'll be releasing episodes every other week with the goal of releasing them every week in the near future. 
I'm also working on creating additional video content for the YouTube channel, including book reviews, educational videos on topics concerning spirituality, the history of religion, and the religious response to the climate crisis. If you would like to support my work in creating free and credible material on YouTube, please consider making a one-time donation via PayPal. You can find the link in the video description or show notes. Your support makes this podcast possible. I'm Nick Mather, and you've been listening to Rebel Spirit Radio. Until next time, may you be in peace, may you flourish in all possible ways, and may you continue to nurture your rebel spirit.